This episode is sponsored by Santa Cruz Works, your connection to our area's thriving tech and business community. With over 5,000 members, Santa Cruz Works gives you access. The largest monthly tech events, solutions for your startups and businesses, connections to the hottest jobs, and the latest news about local companies, their stories and best practices. Subscribe free to the Santa Cruz Works weekly newsletter today, santacruzworks.org slash podcast. I'm Kara myberg Guzman, And I'm Stephen Baxter. This is Santa Cruz Local. We're recording this on Wednesday, March 18th. You're probably listening to this at home. All of us have been ordered to stay at home by the Santa Cruz County Health Officer, to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. Our previous episode was taped from a news conference on Monday. That was when our county health officer, Gail Newell, announced the order. She said something that piqued our interest. The county is short of coronavirus test kits. Newell said, quote, we have been severely limited by the inability to provide testing and suspect that the number of cases is far higher, close quote. So we set off immediately. The first thing we wanted to know was, exactly what is our county's testing capacity? We contacted the commercial labs that the county is working with. We asked all of our contacts at the County Health Services Agency, how many more testing kits do we need? But it turns out maybe that's not the question we should focus on. Maybe we should shift our focus to hospital capacity. We're likely to have a shortage of equipment and staff. Medical providers and county leaders are trying to prepare for that. On Wednesday, I talked to a Santa Cruz County epidemiologist. My name is Will Forrest, and I'm an epidemiologist with Santa Cruz County. I retired at the end of 2018, but they called me back for this outbreak, along with kind of everyone else useful that they can get their hands on because it's such an urgent situation. I think most people are not realizing truly that this is not what you'd look at as a temporary event um, or and then the measures that we need to have in place that we've just put in place are not temporary measures they're they're stated as that because you have to look um, you have to over time see okay what do we need to do next but I am predicting that we we will have to have extraordinary measures in place for the foreseeable future. People need to incorporate that in their thinking. We talked about testing for coronavirus. The facts are there just aren't very many tests available. That is, the testing supplies are inadequate to the task. Um, and so testing necessarily is limited to very limited um, individuals. That being said, testing is not done primarily for medical purposes. It doesn't make a lot of difference in the management or treatment of a patient to know whether or not for sure they are COVID. You can make a diagnosis based on their symptoms and you know, sometimes on travel history or exposure history or something like that, but usually nowadays not. Like three quarters of all 
cases in the U.S., I believe, are of unknown origin. That is, they didn't have a travel history. They don't know of anyone that they were in contact with who was a, a case um, because it is present in the community. Everyone is p potentially um, infected. And so the test is not of much medical use. Everyone should be isolating now. Everyone should be social distancing. That's the order in our county, in Bay Area counties, and will soon be pervasively across the U.S., I think. Everyone should be doing that. Where you have value in knowing for sure whether someone is actually a case is for the people who aren't isolating, who can't or who have to not. So healthcare workers in particular, we're essential, healthcare workers are essential employees, and they need to be in contact with people. There's no way of avoiding it. So that's the people who should be getting tested when they're symptomatic so that you can know for sure, okay, this is a healthcare worker that even though they're essential, we still have to take them out. We still have to isolate them. And then there are situations like um, residential facilities, long-term care facilities, prisons maybe, where if you know you have a case and that case is in a population um, that can't leave, you have to find a way for that known case to isolate them from the people that they are otherwise housed with. I really think the focus on test kits is misguided at this point. Um, that was something we should have been doing in February. Um, and and that was for public health purposes at a time when if there was one case, you wanted to know about it and I, identify that person and isolate them and identify all their contacts and quarantine them in order to prevent the spread. Right now, it's going to spread and, and you don't know who's infected, but lots of people are. There are probably hundreds of um, infected people in the county right now and you don't know who they are and you can't test everybody. It's not even remotely possible. Um, the people probably can transmit the infection before they are symptomatic. And so um, even testing symptomatic people, they may have been wandering around infecting people previously. My opinions about the CDC testing criteria are that they're not keeping up with the data and the county is acting on CDC recommendations, but I think we will be moving soon to a new um, attitude about testing. What can people do to help? Well, I, I saw an interesting or heard an interesting message, a tweet or something about how in World War II, you know, to be a hero, you had to die face down in the muck. And now to be a hero, what you need to do is to stay home and not get people sick, not get infected and not infect other people. So following the isolation order, taking it seriously, that's the big thing for people to do right now. County health leaders are trying to reduce the immediate load on our medical system. It's called flattening the curve. You may have seen it online or in other places this week. Picture a graph. You have a flat line. That's the care that the medical system can provide. Now picture a bell curve that goes above and then below that line. That's the number of people that are going to need care. What you want to do is get that bell curve below the line. 
And the way you get there is by staying at home. Most of us are going to get this. We want to delay it so that we're not all seeking health care at the same time, but rather we're spreading it out over a long period of time. And that's called flattening the curve. And that is our real goal in the admittedly extreme measures that the Bay Area counties are taking right now that are shutting down businesses and telling people to shelter in their own homes. It's for the purpose of delaying when we get exposed. It's not likely that we can prevent most people from being exposed over the next few years, but if we can drag it out, we can keep the load on our um, healthcare system at conceivably a manageable level. I talked to some leaders from our local hospital system about how ready they are for a surge of patients. I heard from Dominican Hospital, Kaiser Permanente, Sutter Health, and the Santa Cruz Community Health Centers. I'll tell you what I heard at the end of this episode. Will told me he didn't know the exact number of sick people our local health system could handle. But he knows for sure. We will be short ventilators, he said. Locally, we'll also probably be short respiratory therapists, he said. State leaders are working to get more ventilators to California. I asked Will, what's the plan to get more ventilators here to Santa Cruz County? I know it's a high priority for them. And I know that it's a high priority for every other jurisdiction in the nation and the world pretty soon. And that um, there's so there's going to be a lot of competition for whatever resources are available. You can't just manufacture ventilators at a high rate and they aren't there to buy. So they're making all we and every other jurisdiction probably are making the efforts that we can to procure them. And it doesn't mean that we have a good chance of procuring them. Among the plans to increase local hospital capacity is a possible shift in where patients are treated. For example, less severe cases could go to smaller clinics to make room at Dominican Hospital and Watsonville Community Hospital. Those two hospitals are best equipped to handle tough cases. I asked Will about what else he's heard to try to increase capacity at those hospitals. At Watsonville Hospital, there is a large, um, I'm going to call it a tent, for lack of a better word, um, that they've had for quite a number of years that is for the purpose of setting up in the event of overflow need, and I'm sure it will be set up and filled. Um, We have what's called an alternate care site plan, which would involve, um, and and it's limited, um, but it's for situations like this where you expect hospital overflow. And the idea of the alternate care site plan is to take people who would otherwise be hospitalized, but they're not the most severe and acutely in need of hospitalization and and put them into another facility um, so that the hospitals can be freed up to deal with the most um, severe cases. So, and, and yes, people are talking about gymnasiums. They're talking about facilities of all kinds. Um, the space is p- 
part of the issue because we have, just as we are going to have more people in need of ventilators than we will have ventilators, we'll have more people in need of hospital beds than there will be hospital beds. But along with that, those each of those beds, just like the ventilators, needs to be staffed, and there are staffing limitations that are not much different from the space limitations. So if you set up churches or schools or gymnasiums, whatever, as places for people to be hospitalized, you have to have the staff. There's something called the Medical Reserve Corps, which um, is an organization that its members are people who have medical skills and training but might not be practicing, so retirees um, like that, who can be called back um, to, to help out in emergencies. Santa Cruz County has an active and relatively large Medical Reserve Corps membership, so we might be in better shape than some counties in that regard in terms of getting people who weren't otherwise using their medical skills to come out and use them, and they might be able to staff places like the tent at, at uh, Watsonville Hospital or an alternate care site, wherever we set up beds for people to be hospitalized, there will be some people, but there won't very likely be enough people to staff as many beds as we will need for all the patients. So we are going to have shortages. Staff, and, and I, yes, I think arguably space, you can create space in so many places and they're, they're, some are better than others, but staffing is really probably the limiting shortage. Governor Gavin Newsom said in a news conference Tuesday night that he doesn't expect schools to reopen before summer. More than six million children across the state are not in classrooms right now. I asked Will, is the lockdown going to be our new normal? Yes, I don't see any way to avoid that. And let me, let me explain why. It's because the idea of this is to keep people from being exposed and infected and to delay it as long as possible, to spread it out. But if you're doing this effectively, then as soon as you relax the standards, then you go back into that exponential increase curve where infections just skyrocket. So what I cannot really envision anytime soon is a situation where we can say, okay, we got this under control. Now we're ready to back off from these extreme measures. I just can't see how we can do that until we have one of three things. We have an effective vaccine. That's probably a long time. We have effective antivirals. That's probably a long time too. Or as time goes by, when people get exposed to this, um, those who survive, which is most people, are immune for some time thereafter. We don't know whether it's a year or the rest of their life or what, but, uh, but you develop um, a portion of your population that is immune to it. And when that group, when, when, when the percentage of people who are exposed and therefore thereafter immune to it gets big enough, you have what's called herd immunity when there aren't, um, there aren't enough people who are susceptible to infection to keep spreading it very effectively. But 
that's not going to be anytime soon either. And the more effective we are with our controls, the longer we put that period of time off. In terms of what I heard from local healthcare system leaders today, one of the big players is Dominican Hospital. It's the only hospital in North County with an intensive care unit. Claire Henry, a representative from Dominican Hospital, sent me a statement. She wrote, Dominican Hospital is prepared to respond to any sudden increases in patient load, including COVID-19 patients. Plans are in place and constantly assessed to ensure that we rapidly respond to the specific needs of this patient population. I was able to talk to people from Sutter Health, Kaiser Permanente, and Santa Cruz Community Health Centers. Right now, they're testing. They're following the CDC guidelines about who and when to test. They're only testing people with more than mild symptoms. I heard from a Kaiser Permanente spokesman that the turnaround time is four to seven days. When someone tests positive, then they're quarantined. Local health clinics are increasing capacity by doing as many health visits as they can over phone or video conference. That frees up clinics for the more acute patients. Some clinics are encouraging people to use mail order pharmacies. Also, some Sutter Health, Kaiser Permanente, and Santa Cruz Community Health Centers now have drive-through care. Patients with flu-like symptoms can get tested and treated in their cars. I talked with Stephen Gray. He's Chief Administrative Officer for Sutter Maternity and Surgery Center of Santa Cruz. He said he's in talks with Dominican and Watsonville Community Hospitals. His center could potentially take patients with less critical needs away from those two hospitals. That way, those two hospitals could make room for more intensive care beds. Right now, the Sutter Maternity and Surgery Center has 28 beds. Gray said more could be added. I also talked with Dr. Casey Kirkhart. He's the chief medical officer for Santa Cruz Community Health Centers. Dr. Kirkhart said he could shift one of his clinics to a respiratory clinic. People with flu-like symptoms could go there for care. The other clinic would be for other patients. We have a survey on our website asking what you, our listeners, want to know about the local response to the coronavirus. We heard from some of you, how do you care for sick people at home? Here's Dr. Kirkhart. So we're, we're asking patients who aren't feeling well at home to call first. We'll give you the, the best advice that we, that we can. That might mean um, come in because we need, to, we need to see you. We need to get, you know, get vitals on you. We need to test you. We need to treat you for flu or pneumonia. And we'll, we'll do that in the clinic. Um, if, you're, if we advise you not to come in and your symptoms are milder, uh, then we will give you advice at home that, you know, rest, stay away from other people with that six foot um, distance if you can. Um, and then really, you know, just com comfort measures, you know, taking Tylenol, if you have a fever or if you're not feeling well, um, getting a good diet, you know, trying to get a, you know, physical activity in as you can around your house or in a, in a safe environment away from other people. Um, it's, it's kind of the, the routine that we would in any situation if someone had a had flu or, or a cold. The CDC also has guidelines for taking care of sick people in your house. We link to those guidelines in the transcript of this episode. 
On Monday, the California legislature approved up to $1 billion toward coronavirus relief. There's already plans of using some of that money for buying hospitals to increase capacity. The state is also negotiating with about 900 hotel owners. Hotel rooms could be used instead of hospital beds for people with less critical needs. Hotel rooms may also be used as homeless shelters for those most vulnerable and also those who have tested positive. The state has not yet made a way for cities to apply for the new funding. In Santa Cruz, leaders are trying to identify the biggest needs. Here's Santa Cruz Mayor Justin Cummings. There's a lot of um, people who are concerned about their businesses going out of business. And then um, on the employee side, many people who just are really concerned with um, not having you know, an income and being able to pay their bills and their rent. We're still working on you know, the costs around all of this. I mean, it's been evolving so rapidly that what we've really been trying to focus on initially has been you know, um, what are the appropriate responses to minimize the spread and of the of the disease and so now we're really kind of focusing on those pieces of like you know how much is this going to cost and so um but uh-huh. first and foremost it's you know prevent the spread and try to not overwhelm the healthcare system many of you wrote asking what the city is doing to prevent the spread of the disease among the city's homeless i asked cummings he said the city could manage more homeless camps but they don't have the staff One solution might be the National Guard. Cummings is talking with state leaders to get the National Guard to help staff local homeless camps and help distribute food to those in need. In our survey, many of you asked, how can I help? Besides staying indoors, Stephen Gray had some tips. He's the chief medical officer for Sutter Maternity and Surgery Center of Santa Cruz. From a neighborhood standpoint, if you know if you know somebody who is a healthcare worker, asking them what they need. Our healthcare workers are working um, amazingly hard um, to keep their community safe and healthy right now. I mean, I, I posted the other. I, you know, I said something the other day um, in a meeting. You know, heroes don't wear capes; they wear masks and gloves and gowns, and they take care of really scared people outside in a parking lot in the rain. Um, those are our heroes right now is our healthcare providers. Um, I'm just there to support them, but they're doing, they're doing the real hero work. And so if you know, if you know somebody who's there, you know, ask them what they need. Do they need somebody to, um, to watch their kids for, for, for a day while they, um, while they go to work and take care of people. Thanks to those of you who filled out our recent survey. We answered a lot of your questions on our COVID-19 resource page. That link is at santacruzlocal.org slash COVID-19. You can still fill out our survey there. We also want to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail. It's at 831-222-0460. We want to hear how you're doing, your concerns, and any stories you want to share about how you're coping. We'll share some of those voicemails on our podcast. If you haven't already, please sign up for our email newsletter. We'll keep sending out news related to the coronavirus there. And please share our newsletter, too. Now's the time to get our community informed about how to limit the spread of this virus. And we're here to help. Times like these show the need for reliable local reporting. 
Our work is free, but we need your support. Please become a member and support our work. The membership sign-up is at santacruzlocal.org. Thank you to our Guardian Level members, Chris Nicholson, Patrick Riley, Elizabeth and David Doolin, and the Kelly family. I'm Stephen Baxter. And I'm Kara Myberg guzman Thanks for listening to Santa Cruz Local. <laughs>